0: Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Tales podcast. Delighted today to be joined by Michelle Aikens, author of an amazing book that is focused around looking at people who have had well, career challenges where they've got a shift in their life and called Consider the Possibilities. It's a bit about how do you reframe and how do you retell your story? Uh, when that moment hits you, when it's a challenge. But you'll hear a story of somebody who with her role as a mother and a role when she lost her job as a magazine editor. And there is this moment that we all face about how we deal with our setbacks and our challenges. And she's gonna give us some great ideas about how to do that and think about this great conversation. So I look forward to hearing your feedback on uh, Michelle and the conversation, enjoy. Who are the friends? You mind me asking, who are the friends in Florida? How did you know them? Oh,
1: well, our friends in Florida are Samuel and Charlene McNabb, and Mm -hmm. they are the parents of football player Donovan McNabb, who played for the Philadelphia Eagles for a while. Wow. And they are wonderful people. Um, Mm -hmm. Charlene's a lot of fun, and Sam's a serious straight-laced person, but they they make um, an amazing duo and we love them very much.
0: well, One of my colleagues will be a massive fan of this podcast because when we were in the US I was with him. He's from Dublin, Ireland and the the Eagles are his team so he's passionate about it um so he was he got to meet one of the clients who were out there who was an Eagles fan as well so they were sharing stories the Patrick fans or the Pats fans were were not too happy about the conversations but yeah well we'll get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> excellent Michelle well tell the uh, listeners a bit about yourself it would be good to to hear a bit of your story if you could yeah
1: well well thanks Colin I describe myself as happily middle-aged I am enjoying the journey of learning more about myself as I as I grow. So often, when when you say, "Tell me about yourself," we start talking about what we do. Yeah, so we do, I'll we? tell you who I am. Amazing. I am humorous, inquisitive, confrontational at times, in a loving way, as mm-hmm. loving as I can be. I'm also a, a mother of all the things I've done, and I've been a magazine publisher and uh, i served in a a church and ministry and i've done lots of things Mm -hmm. but being a mother by far is my most favorite Uh, my children are now 30 and 28 wow and it's just so remarkable to see from birth to adulthood Mm -hmm. how people become so i am curious by nature about just about
0: anything
1: (laughs) Uh, sometimes that gets me in trouble
0: but that's who i am yeah curiosity killed a cat and everything else like that goes along with that yeah
1: all of that
0: so so where do you where do you get massively curious because you've got a book out that's um we're going to talk about today but how did you get take me back because as a fellow author there's a journey that gets you to Mm -hmm. a book and, and a story to tell behind that so maybe just tell me a bit about this how you got to this book yeah
1: well, I'll, I'll tell you about my curiosity. It started, I, I grew up as a sickly child, um, had mm-hmm. chronic bronchitis, and so I didn't get to run and play like other children. I was always at home, and entertaining myself was reading. Some lady, bless her heart, gave me an embroidery set, and I I made a mess of that, so nobody ever did that again. But books were always a friend, and I realized with books that I could I could visit other places. I could learn about other people. I could learn about myself. And so by the time I finished the eighth grade, I was reading at the first, last year of high school, first level of college level, mm-hmm. because I just, that, The idea of books just satisfied my curiosity for anything. Anything Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, I could go to the library and find out about it. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite lessons, and I I give this to people when I'm talking, is in the third grade, Mrs. McCants was our teacher, and there was an assignment. And in the assignment was an unfamiliar word. So Mm -hmm. the nerd in me looked it up. And the next day, now this was still corporal punishment, so, you know, don't... Don't get yourself thrown off the air. But the next day, Mrs. McCants called up every student name by name and said, what does that word mean? Whisper it in my ear. And Mm. when they did, she whacked them. I was the only one who knew what the word meant (laughs) in the third grade. And so what I learned from that lesson is that not knowing something can have consequence. Mm. We don't have the luxury of assuming a position of ignorance thinking that it'll keep us safe uh, yeah. one of my most powerful lessons so that's how i became curious and how i knew that answering curiosity had rewards
0: <laughs> love that and it's interesting because i have a favorite uh, quotation that I always talk about which is jimi hendrix bizarrely who says knowledge speak wisdom listens and i love the mm-hmm. fact that having that knowledge is important but actually you're you're underpinning it with curiosity which is the wisdom bit to do that so it's not just about knowledge for the sake it's 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 the process or the process uh, for the american audiences of of curiosity so 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 tell me how that led you on the thread to the 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 book and what the book is about maybe that would help yeah well
1: Thank you for asking that. The book is considered the possibilities, and I'm going to tell you how I arrived at this book because this mm. is not my first book, mm. but it is probably the most significant. Mm. And this is why: when I was fifty, I lost my job as a magazine publisher, mm. and it was the most devastating thing I'd ever experienced because I'd never failed, and I'm putting that in air quotes. I'd never mm failed at anything, skipped grades in school, successful career before having children, had children. My husband and I decided that I would stay home with them, Um, but I'm not very good at baking cookies. So we both agreed I needed to find something else to do (laughs) once they started school. And, And so I started this as part of this new initiative to create a publishing company Mm. and because i had a background in magazine publishing i was tapped to lead it so with this Mm. volunteer staff of people and a little bit of a shoestring we created a successful magazine Mm. but here's the downside a successful magazine is expensive (laughs) and the Uh parent company said we've got two businesses here that are both doing well, we can't keep them both. Mm. And at 50, I was out of a job, not because mm. I did anything wrong, but because yeah. I did some things right.
0: Right, Interesting.
1: And for two years, Colin, I went through the motions of being this strong supporter of other people. I, you know, showed up at church and everything is fine. And I did the mm. work of looking for jobs and being out there but inwardly i was devastated mm-hmm. to the point where my doctor who is now a friend said if you come in my office like this again i'm gonna put you on antidepressants But mm-hmm. like, nobody saw it nobody saw it because we're so clever at masking mm-hmm. our pain yep. and uh, two years into this a student a former student asked me, called me, and he said, Mrs. Akins, how do you start a magazine? And I talked to him for 90 minutes about things that I forgot that I knew. Hmm. And it was at that moment that I I felt like I had awakened from a fog. It was like, wait a minute, what is this? And I heard inside me, what would you have wanted somebody to tell you two years ago? Hmm. I said, I would have wanted them to tell me that I still had value, Hmm. that there was something special about me, and I would want them to take me by the hand and help me find it. Nice. And the next thing I heard is, so get up and go do that. Hmm. And so I started a consulting company for women of a certain age who had, you know, had a big hit, suffer, something like that. And for a few years, that was nice. It was nice and it was comfortable. But I used to see these brilliant people. I sat across from them in my office, but they were stuck. And it wasn't because they weren't smart. It wasn't because they didn't have the credentials, but there was a disconnect between head, hands, and heart. And I wanted to explore that. So curiosity beckoned me again. I was working with a coach at the time who said, are you sure you aren't supposed to be coaching? And I gave her a rather nasty answer about not wanting to listen to other people's problems all day. (laughs) And she replied very sweetly, well, you're doing it anyway. You're just not getting paid for it. Ah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And so I've, I've checked in with myself and that's something I'm learning to do. And I started learning to do say, is this something I want to do? Is this real? Is there yep. substance here? And um, I got a nod from what I describe in the book as my inner compass, because mm-hmm. we should be asking ourselves questions and checking in to see what's the answer. And so I pursued coaching and like the type A minus that I am I didn't just go 6 weeks or 3 months oh no I went 2 years <laughs> because I wanted to make sure that this was something I wanted to do mm-hmm. and it was at though that first gathering of coaches that I inwardly thanked God for the failure of the magazine because if it had not I would not have found my way here. Mm. At that time, I didn't see another possibility. But it was over time and choosing to look in another direction that I saw all of the opportunities that were open to me. And so yeah. that's the journey to this book.
0: It's interesting. There's a um, podcast I listen to, and uh, high-performance podcast, and uh, one of the ex- favorite expressions is success leaves clues. Yeah. And it is about, you know, that moment of just reflection almost falling out of your thinking and suddenly wow. it comes. And you know, all the people who are successful will always tell you, Well, there was this there was this moment, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that I just knew and and we all think, Wow, okay. So how did that what that, that epiphany? But what you're talking about there is that it's being thankful for sometimes the road bumps we hit. Um yes. that that actually give maybe subconscious or something in our inner compass, as you talk about it, um, a prompt to say there's a different direction here. I love also the advice you got, which is, you know, you may as well get paid for it because you're doing it all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I really like that phrase, success means clues. One's mm. that One phrase that I use often is, rejection is also direction.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah. 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 Well, like I see, I've written a book called be more wrong, so of course all failures are successful. I've just reframed that, which get lets me get away in theory get away with a lot <laughs> so so I love it. so tell me about it because the coaching then leads to this this book, and there's some great thinking in the book around your thoughts about uh, and how you transition and how you you take the steps that you took. so if you had to pick two or three things out of there, what are the threads that you would you would want people to listen to?
1: Hmm. Two or three things. Well, the first one is, um, uh, the first chapter is called There Are No Accidental Optimists. Mm -hmm. And I had to think about how I got to this uh, really annoyingly sunny disposition. It can (laughs) be annoying to my husband, but it is because in every situation we get to choose. Mm -hmm. You don't become an optimist because you're born that way. You choose it over circumstances. Interesting. That's a big one. The second one is I think we have to stop skating around the things that hurt us. The second chapter is yep, this is going to change life as you know it. Mm. We're not we're not going to pretend that this doesn't hurt, that this isn't devastating. Let's stop playing with it. And so those two might seem to be at odds with each other, mm. but they're not mm. because Optimism says, I know all of this, but this is how I choose to believe, and this is what I think about my possibilities. And the last chapter is rewriting the script, because once you have all of the evidence, you still have to make the changes. Mm.
0: I want to dig into a couple of those, because this is a theme that I love around the the one that the the things that hurt us, but there's a uh, permission to glow by uh, Casey Carter I don't know if you've uh, read his book but it's just a fantastic mm. fantastic book but but it's it's permission to feel the feels and then permission to to do almost the dark side to, to to glow in the dark which is your your dark your your demons that a lot of us either avoid run away from or don't want to tackle and then to permission to glow in the light and not many of us actually get to the fourth stage of uh, glowing in the light because we don't go to some of the dark stuff to, to do our work. That's right. So your own experience of the dark stuff, yeah, um, and my own experience, I'd love to get your feelings about what you say in the book about how we tackle that, yeah.
1: Well, one of the things I talk about is, first we have to acknowledge mm-hmm. that this is going to change my life in spite of doing everything right. Mm-hmm. I say to people, the great CEO still got downsized in the corporate buyout. Mm-hmm. The faithful, dutiful, loving wife still wound up divorced. Mm-hmm. And so we have to confront, first of all, what we have told ourselves about who we are.
2: Okay.
1: Because some of the things that that come along, they've defined us, mm-hmm. our successes have defined us, our relationships have defined us. And so now who are we without those? We gotta look that stuff in the eye and Mm -hmm. say, you know what? Rather than being identified as funny and probably irreverent, I've identified myself as a magazine publisher, as a Mm -hmm. coach, as an author. So what does that mean Mm -hmm. if I'm not successful in some of those places? My identity gets shot.
0: That's a fascinating bit because it goes on builds on James Clear's work, where he talks about getting to somewhere. So rather than saying I cycle, I'm a cyclist, or rather than I coach, I'm a coach. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's a difference. So choosing an identity has a positive side to drive people towards it until yes. it's no longer valid, is what we're talking about there. That's right. So reinventing yourself is is a, mm. is a difficult piece because most of us, and you, you see this when people retire. Having been, you know, a banker or a, a nurse for so long, and and then what is their identity? And they're, if they're a parent, the kids have left home. Um, so this this being prepared for your reinvention is is critical, rather than reacting to it in some ways. Yeah. Oh my goodness!
1: And if we want to talk about reinventions, how about the last two years? Mm. We've had to reinvent the way we work and live and live together i mean if if i can't go into the office and tell somebody this is what you do this is what you do well who am i if i'm working at home in the midst of diapers and dishes and all all kinds of stuff that i'd rather not deal with
0: yeah
1: do i still have value Mm -hmm. and i think many in our society are grappling with that now mm-hmm. we have something and i don't know if it's if it's this way up across the pond but uh, we're grappling with the great resignation mm. people are you i don't know if you're having that yeah, too we are no
0: definitely well, we are yeah. yeah
1: like i don't want to do this anymore mm. but there was an article i don't quote me i think it was in the harvard business review that says there some of them are boomeranging back yeah. to where they left so mm. what is that? Is this about finding a new identity or mm. finding that you were identified or is it just fear of, of the unknown?
0: Yeah. I, I, and I think the, the great return, I think some people have labeled it as a great migration, mm-hmm. great return, because the, there is something in here about you know, when, when we have a change um, thrust upon us, There's a reaction, and we fight it. You know, I I was made redundant or didn't get the job I wanted when I was at Procter and Gamble. But it took me probably 15 to 20 years to get over that, Rich, because I didn't do the work. I didn't really process it. It was only bizarrely, actually, having the person who did that to me in a you know and not in a malicious way, but just did that to me that he he came back into my life, and I was able to to process that with him. So there's this journey about you know if it's thrust upon us then we deal with it, but this great migration, a lot of people went through this turmoil of COVID and everything else and working from home, and they made the choice to leave. Yeah, you know, with it almost reminds me of the Forrest Gump moment, you know, where people he starts running and you just starts running and everybody's following and everybody's going, but then he says, "Yeah, I'm stop running, I'm going home," you know, and so so why? Well, just want to go home, you know. It's, yeah. So seeking a purpose is, is difficult, isn't it? I mean, especially, you know, if you think about my age in, in, at 57, yours at 50 when you had that magazine. Redefining your purpose and finding a different route is difficult for most people. Yeah.
1: Yes, it is. Just because of all the things you have to confront. Mm. Everything that I got complimented on before, everything that was celebrated, that's not true anymore. Mm. What does that mean? to me. And so the the idea of of looking at purpose is fascinating to me because I believe the clues are there from the time we're children.
2: Mm.
1: Here's an example if if you have time for one. Mm. I have two children. My son as a child loved Barney movies and listening to stories. Mm. My daughter liked to build things. Mm. My son today is an actor Hmm. who teaches other actors how to hone their crafts. He loves a good story. My daughter is behind the camera. She literally built a rig one time because she didn't know how to get the camera positioned. So I think if we pay attention to those parts of ourselves that are undiluted, unfiltered by adult responsibilities and what you should do. If we can get back to what we did effortlessly as children, we Mm. get some clues to what we could do as a fulfilling life as adults.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. This is the the same podcast actually has another favorite expression. They talk about so what are you ghosts of your childhood that are rattling around that give you clues? Oh and, my goodness! And it, it, you're so true because you go back to what I loved when I was a child is, is is friendships and talking to people and communicating and you know guess what I'm doing now? But but I then went off on a path to be a chartered accountant and you know do tax returns and. Ew. And I think that there's a part to play about advice. So it sounds like your daughter and your son have been guided by you, or you've taken the the hand off the tiller, as we would say, and allowed them to to find their path. But it is important as leaders and guides and coaches that we we know how to to guide people to to go back to what they were and some of the roots in terms of the childhood and what they're best at. Yeah, you
1: know, there is a a favorite proverb. In the Bible, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And on the surface, that seems really simple. Mm. But it's not. Mm. Because in order to understand the way a child should go, you've got to observe that child. Yeah. You've got to see what toys they want to play with. You've got to see what comes out of their mouth when they're giddy and excited. And my son liked stories so much, I wrote him a bedtime story of his own. Huh? And then I produced it as a play. Hmm. Because he wanted, he liked acting. He was here, acting this. Yeah. At nine years old, he memorized the lines to a play that was over an hour. Hmm. He was the little lead character. And so our gifts are there with us at childhood. The problem is we don't start asking about them until, well, what do you want to major in in college? Yeah. Well, now you've been infected with practicality. Because whatever you major in needs to be something practical. You can't be an artist, but yeah. be an architect. Mm. Or you can't be you can't build blocks, so work in construction. And so we we dilute everything that is a clue to where fulfillment in life could come from.
0: Yeah, I think you know the the favorite so Ken Robinson who was a um, in education, um, passed away, but there's a great TED talk he gives where he was talking about the child in the class and the teacher noticed that they're drawing something, comes up to the child and says, so what are you drawing? And the child said, a picture of God. And the teacher said, well, we don't know what God looks like. And the child said, give me a few minutes and then we will. <laughs> and it's, So it, it is that, that we start off with this this ability, and I, I do think education systems have a lot to do in this because we're taught to go through a process of learning towards exams, towards an education, and make choices. And actually, maybe we should be starting to think about experimentation at that yeah. that phase, you know. So, yeah. if society gives us the opportunity to build blocks or you know whatever it is, great. But if it doesn't give you the opportunity to to experiment, how do we craft that experimentation into that? So just. Talking, you're talking about women of a certain age and and getting them to almost reinvent themselves and think in a different way. So, what is what is your experimentation platform for them? What would what would you take them through, or what would you encourage them to do at that that point?
1: Well, um, one of the things I enjoy. I've also written a couple of screenplays. I mm. I, I like telling stories. I like a good story.
0: You and might have missed a career there somewhere. You know, you wrote the <laughs> you know you wrote the bedtime story turned it into play. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and just published it as a book last year because yeah. I think our children don't don't get permission to dream. But I also think women, adults, don't get permission to mm. dream. Mm. And so one of the things that I did was I created a course called Rewriting the Script. Mm. And what it does is it looks at your life as if it's a movie. Okay, let's right. talk about the plot here. Mm. Where is this story going? First of all, let's identify. Who is who is the protagonist in this story? Because if someone else is the protagonist in your story. We got some stuff to work on. Yeah. And we look at the characters in your life and look at the plot and, and 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 look at the plot twists which I love talking about because in every good movie there's something unexpected that happens that takes the story in another direction but in the direction it was supposed to go. Interesting. So we have them in life too. Plot mm. twist. That magazine failure was a big plot twist, mm. but it moved me closer to the, the, where the story was supposed to go. And so mm. when I talk with women and men, because I've also developed uh, that same course for companies, mm. because we all need to learn how to rewrite the scripts that we're living out and expressing Wow. Um, so yes, that's my process, my experimental pr- platform.
0: And so so the script itself, it, it sounds like it's a bit of historical going back into mm-hmm. what's happened
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: rewriting history, or is it a bit of going into the background, then rewriting the next few chapters or, or starting to write the chapters? What's the the focus on? Because I'm fascinated by storytelling and yes. stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it could be. Uh, So often we picture one end to the story. The story's got to end this way if it's going to be successful. But if things have happened, plot twists have happened that made that ending impossible, I will not be a magazine publisher. Mm. Is the story over? Or was that just a subplot that's going to move me closer to where that plot is? And so even in considering the possibilities, what we're doing is helping people to think differently. Okay, I know that didn't work. Hmm. But using the lens of optimism, what can this story become? Hmm.
0: I, I really like. That. I mean, we we talk about it in storytelling genres, and it's amazing when you get somebody to do a presentation and you say, "Okay, so you've got a choice of genre. You can have a love story. So try mm-hmm. do your financial pitch as a love story, or your your sales pitch as a love story. And then you've got the crime thriller. Yeah, and then you've got the. Uh, the hero's journey, whatever it is that you do, but I, what I like there is that you're starting to say, almost as you see in movies where they go, you have a plot end, and the people go, "No, mm-hmm. we don't want to end like that." Let's, so so people do have a choice, yeah, yes. to to yeah. rewind, to almost say, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find." And I also just think that some people get to the point where um, there's a, a Bob uh, Rotella who is a golfing coach. He used to, he wrote a book called Putting Past the Hole. And wow. so many people of my age, 50s, later, they see retirement as this, oh, it's the end point. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're putting to the hole. And he, what he talks about is putt past the hole. So when you, it, it literally, the, the hole will get in the way of the ball. But I, I do think there's a bit about coaching people in, into their retirement, into the next phases of their career, particularly nowadays, because we're living longer, yeah, in yes. theory. In terms of what we're doing, how does that impact on on your work and the book? In terms of that that thinking, because there is a fifty, maybe talking about women in fifty, yeah,
1: yeah. In theory,
0: ten years, but longer nowadays, yeah,
1: yeah. And and we get all kinds of messages in our society that when you come, I don't know if you remember the movie The Giver. And they had the journey to elsewhere for everybody who's over 50. And it wasn't until the end of the movie that you realize where elsewhere was, are going to bash you in the head. <laughs> and, so, and And so even though that was kind of open, we were. Uh, And I'm glad to see it's lessened now, but we typically do get those messages that when you're 50, when you're 60, it's time to coast. It's time to, you know, drift lazily into retirement and go sit on a porch somewhere. Mm. Well, I believe when you're 50, 60, you've never been smarter than you Mm. are. You've got wisdom, you've got experience and, and all this richness of storytelling. Why take that to sit on a porch? No, create something else. Write a book, write a play, go skydiving. If you want to, I may work up my nerves to try it, but I think this is the, the, the age where if we allow ourselves, we would glow more in this time Mm -hmm. than at any other time in our lives. Mm -hmm. We have input, men and women. I mean, look at what you're doing. Mm. We have input for generations that are coming behind us, and we have the wisdom of those who went before us. Mm. We are the best of our world. Without, you know, being, you know, overly arrogant, I believe that this is the best time of life for those who choose to embrace a different story than the one they've been told.
0: Yeah. I, and I love that, the glow piece, because there's another piece that I find is that people don't recognize the value of their stories. When we do mentoring training, we always talk about what's the secret sauce? What are the pain points you've suffered in your life?
2: Yeah.
0: And it and it can be that story of the person who went through the pandemic as a single person in a small flat and had to work out at a home. Or it could be the, the young person couple who had kids and had to work through the pandemic. Some of these pain points that people are going through now, um, are the rich tapestry or the rich source of ideas for people in the future. But when we tell the story, it's, well, I, I did this and I had this. And then suddenly people go, Oh, you survived that. How did you do that? What did you do? So the, the art of storytelling in your reframing and how you're talking about this is is powerful because to get people to tell their stories provides a rich source of ideas for others as well yes it does have you heard of the human library you know yes love that concept yes the idea <laughs> just i'll be a book <laughs> I, exactly i mean imagine yeah. you know just being able to pick up uh, the literally the phone and going. I'd like to talk to this. So sort of rather than reading or, because reading is great, but I like to audible, I like listening to audible as I'm going through a book. But imagine being able to dial up and go, I want to talk to somebody who's been through this. Here you go, here's the person uh, working in there. So if you had to pick one area that you'd like to be the human library for, that people could be able to dial Michelle up and say, you know, let, let's talk, what would it be? What would be the area you'd love to people to to tap into you for
1: I would like
0: to be the book on
1: dealing with failure. Hmm. Mm-hmm. For the people who want to say, I want to talk to somebody who's failed and didn't slit their wrists. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> I I still remember Colin um being severely verbally chastised in kindergarten for coloring outside the line. Mm. i remember as a second grader my teacher mrs olson asked us well what do you want to be when you grow up and i looked at the picture on the wall and there were these beautiful ballerinas and i yeah. said i want to be a ballerina and mrs olson said black girls can't be ballerinas wow. that's where i grew up mm. but today I I may not be a ballerina, but I help people find balance yeah. and songs and stories. And so I want to talk about how failure can be just what you need mm. to glow your brightest, if you look at it through a certain lens.
0: So, I hear two or three things there, because I love scribbling outside the uh, you know the lines. I think for me that's that's the bit we need to encourage people to do is go scribble outside the lines and yes. and go be a ballerina have no fear about it you know why why wouldn't this person be this space and I think there's a lot about stereotypes as well. I was reading an uh, reading an article on professional. What is professional and how professional is, is almost a barrier to a lot of people, whether they dress, the way they look, yes. that's the biggest waste. particularly when we're looking for talent now in organizations. Yes.
2: How mm-hmm.
0: do we get people to scribble outside the lines to identify that talent that we haven't done, discovered yet mm-hmm. is a key thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be the fifties plus. you. Know, that you
1: I think about. so. You yeah. know what? And let me tell you what I say about scribbling outside the lines. Yes. We need people who color inside the lines because they keep the trains running on track and they keep all the machinery working. But you need people who color outside because they build the bridges that the trains run on and create the things that need a switch.
0: So, Mm, yeah. yeah. What is it? Creativity is a team sport. Yeah, we need both sides of the brain in action as we go through. Michelle, it has been an absolute delight. So if people want to hear more about the book, read more about the book, or hear more about you, how would they contact you to...
1: Well, I'm pretty easy. My website is michelleakins.com. And Michelle is spelled with one L. And uh, the books are there and my blogs are there. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love to connect with people. I enjoy a great story too, Colin. And we all have a great story.
0: We do. What a great way to end. Well, enjoy Florida. Enjoy that, um, that friend's time that you've got there and uh, enjoy the sunshine and warmth before you head back, probably to Chicago, which is heating up at the moment. So. Yes, yes. Lovely to connect, uh, Michelle, and I look forward to hopefully speaking to you again soon. Yes, I hope so. Take care. Wow. Great conversation. I I always feel sometimes when you get in a conversation that just feels like it flows and you've got a, a friend on the other end who, in some cases like this, you haven't known that long. It always feels good. But I, I think there was a number of things that really resonated for me. And then the link to the glowing and how you glow at a particular time in life and how you reframe. But I love the storytelling and the, the writing of the plays and the the story for a son. And how storytelling has a massive impact and, you know, whether it's writing a letter to yourself, you know, dated 12 months ahead about what you're going to achieve and reframing and rewriting that story. Or it is just literally, you know, having an ending and saying, no, that's not the ending I want. This is a, a different ending and being able to flip around to, to help yourself to to find a different ending to that um i love the the thoughts the concepts um and the book well worth a read so look forward to hearing your thoughts uh, on today's episode and i look forward to welcoming you back in for another episode of the leadership tales podcast soon